All right, good morning. I've got reason to be thankful for. I love that song. I know. Man, I don't know if you're going, when will he change the song? I was going to, but I just like it too much. I just, me and Bing go way back, and I love the message. We've got so much to be thankful for. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? I tell you what, I, it's just, yeah, come on. Yeah, come on. Let me just tell you. God was so good. I have got to thank God for our praise team. Um, Trey just nailed the song selection today so well. I know that last song was a new song, but boy, is it a good one. It's got a little bit of the hymn in the middle of it, but I'm just so grateful for our praise team. Um, they just I did a tremendous job. And this is one of those times, I've, I've never said this before, I don't think. Uh, well, actually, I said it at 8 o'clock. But after going through worship, I'm, I'm listening to these songs, knowing what God's laying in my heart to share with you today. I'm going, oh, my goodness. I said, I almost wish I could preach first and then have worship because then you'd understand just how powerful each one of those songs was uh, in relation to, to the message today. Boy, God is certainly good. Well, I love this series, Crazy Gratitude, and crazy is upside down because, well, that's how we should be, crazy upside down in love and thanks with God, going crazy over being thankful. And today's sermon title is Jarring, there's a play on words there you'll see in a minute, Jarring Gratitude. Um, knock me down, slap me crazy, generosity with God and, and gratitude for what God um, has done. Just so much. And actually, it's really cool, by the way. You know, the slide, you know, really last week, last month was on generosity, and this is gratitude. But you've got both of these things today wrapped up in one. You've got this crazy, you know, generosity of this lady in this message, and then you've got this crazy gratitude that is played out. So I can't wait to share with you um, what God has laid on my heart today. Now, I need to ask you to do something. It's a little unusual, I must admit. I don't want you to listen today with your ears. I want you to listen with your heart. I don't want you to listen just with this. I want you to listen with your heart. This is perhaps one of the most beautiful stories there is in the New Testament and certainly in the gospel according to Dr. Luke. And so I hope you'll listen today with your heart. It's a wonderful story. It starts out with the idea, the thought, um, you know, that, that, that Jesus is going to be invited to dinner someplace crazy. But in the process, you know, he meets this, this woman, a sinner. And again, just think of the songs that you just sang. And it's what happens to each one of us. You know, there's a great song that, that talks about being invited to come to the table. Um, look, look at these words. These words are just great. We all start on the outside. And that's really what happens. That's where grace begins. We're on the outside looking in. And by the way, you know, this is going to be a dinner party that we're going to attend um, today in, in the Gospel of Luke. And what would happen is, is that the invitees, the invitees would be on the inside and then around the walls of the building, not uncommon at all, around the walls of the building, looking in the windows, and some would even slide in and stand against the wall unknown. The, the uninvited wanted to watch what the invited got to do. You'll see how that plays out in just a moment. We all start on the outside, the outside looking in. But listen, this is where grace begins. We're all hungry. We're all thirsty with nothing left to give. Oh, the shape that we were in. And just when all hope seemed lost... Love opened the door for us, and he said, and look what he says. He said, come to the table. An invitation, not, not, look, not looking in the window, not peeking around the doorway, not standing against the wall. Come to the table. And he invites, come join the sinners who have been redeemed. Take your place beside the Savior. Sit down and be set free. Come to the table. And that's the invitation today. That's why I want you to listen, not with your ears, but with your heart. So Simon, a Pharisee, 
And we'll talk about him in just a moment. Simon the Pharisee invites Jesus to come and have dinner at his house. And Jesus accepts the invitation. So that's where we jump in at Luke 737a. And we're going to spend a chunk of time here, okay? Because there's something that the Lord showed me I want to share with you that I think is hugely important. And I would title this verse, Whose House? Whose House? Here we go. So... A woman in the town who was a sinner, and we're going to talk about that, found out that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house. So this is just chunk full of information. So let's break it down. Now, what I want to do is I want to back into the verse. I want to start at the bottom, okay? And then I want to come up. First off, we have they're at the Pharisee's house. And the guy's name is Simon. Okay, the guy's name is Simon. Simon owns the house. And here's the deal. The person who owns the house sets the rules. You need to write that down. It's important moment. The person who owns the house sets the rules. Um, You know, it's it's his house, so it's his rules. Um, Candy and Dave Parrott, once a year, hosts this incredible meal, fish fry, at their house. And it's all for the Sunday school class. And we get invited, you know, to the party. And we show up, and we have this great time. And here's the deal. For 40 years, and this, I wish I'd tell you how humble this is, but it's not. Um, But for 40 years, I've tried, when we have a meal, I've always tried to be at least in the last group that lines up and goes to the table. Uh, Not in common, I try to be last, but sometimes I'm just in the last group. Now, I say that sounds so humble. Everybody go, aw. Yeah, but there's a reason. See, I found out something. If you're in the last of the last, whatever's left, you get Yeah, I know. You go first. You go first. Well, we better not grab too much mac and cheese. We better not grab too much mashed potatoes. Oh, only one piece of chicken. Shoot, you go last. Load her up, baby. You're the end of the line. Get as much as you want. So that's probably the really reason. Not really. I really just do it in place to honor you as your pastor, okay? Uh, But but, but here we are. You know, we're, we're we're at this house, okay? And, and there's going to be a table. There's going to be a spread set, all right? So, so we're at Simon's house, and then, then when, I, when I go to, to Candy's house and to Dave's house, okay, here's what she says. She knows about what I do, and she says, preacher. She calls me preacher. Preacher, my house, my rules. And what she says is, you're first. And she makes me, that is not too hard. She makes me go first, and I really, it just makes me feel so special when she does that. And she declares, hey, it is my house, so I'm the one who sets the rules. Well, Simon, okay, because it's Simon's house, he sets the rules. Okay, so here's the deal. Here's the deal. He sets the rules, and we understand, first off, Simon is a professional good person. He's a Simon. Simon's a professional, uh, you know, Pharisee, all right? And so what he does is he says, you know, my house is a house of religion, yeah, you know, your house, you know, I know some of y'all, some of your house, you got the little things on the wall, you know, you know, all these cool things, cute things. You got all the coffee cups, you got all the t-shirts, and they all say cute little Jesus stuff, you know. Well, yeah. Well, you, you go to Simon's house, you know, and on the walls everywhere is thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt, thou shalt, thou shalt not. And just rule after rule after rule, tradition after tradition after tradition all around the wall. Because Simon is a rule keeper. Simon sets the rules. He obeys the rules of God. That's what he does. Okay? So around his house, his house is a house of religion. A house of religion. Then we move up and we see the table. The table. And we're going to find out in verse 49 that there's a bunch of people sitting around the table. And when Jesus does something, they get all fired up. Okay, so I decided, well, who's at the table? Now, am I the only guy in the house who would think that it's Jesus and the 12 boys? Yeah, well, I did, but guess what? Apparently, they didn't make the list. Apparently, they're either outside or along the wall or peeking through the door. They're not in the table. Well, who's at the table, Dwayne? All of Simon's buds. Who are Simon's buds? People just like him other rule keepers. And isn't that how we kind of do life? You know, we want to hang around with people that are like us. Well, that's what Simon does. So Simon invites Jesus to lunch, but he invites all his buds to be there too. And then you got Jesus. To say that Jesus 
is not the guest of honor is an understatement. In fact, I'm going to show you, if I get to it today, <coughs> I'm going to show you that Jesus isn't even a guest. I mean, he's there. He's there for Simon to challenge. He's there, you know, for Simon to, to show how Jesus is less than is the reason he's there. And then we got her. And a woman in the town who was a sinner. That is just so full of impactful information. Um, she was not invited. She would never be invited. She may have been one of the ones that was by the window and eased her way to the door. You know, you poke around, you know, with people. You poke your way. And maybe she eased her way over against the wall, a shadow in a dimly lit building. And she stands there. What's the deal, Dwayne? Well, see, she's a woman in the town who was a sinner. Now, probably, see that article? I, I know that because my daughter's a English teacher, and she would tell me that A is an article. Now, now that, that probably does not adequately paint the picture, okay? Um, she was the woman. She was the woman. Even better, she was that woman. You, you know somebody. You got somebody who say, yes, that person, that child. That politician. It causes you to stab your finger when you say it. Well, what's up with this woman? Well, it says this. And a woman in a town, she was a sinner. And again, she wasn't just a sinner. She was the sinner. She was that sinner. She was the one of the town prostitutes. She was in the business of selling herself. So what a crazy combination. You've got Simon who sets the rules and said, hey, my house, my rules. And, and I want to tell you that religion's really important to me. And then he invites all his buds like him because that's what we would do. You've got Jesus who should have been the guest of honor, doesn't even cut the, cut the, make the cut as a guest. He's there to be challenged. And then you've got this prostitute lady showing up. How crazy is that? And the Bible says that she found out that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house. Now, what they would do is they'd have a low table. It would be probably, oh, 12, 13 inches in, in our world, okay? And you would, would you know, put your shoulder, your left shoulder up next to the table. Now, you say, Dwayne, how do you know that? Well, I know that because in that culture and like in Africa, the left hand is unclean. So you wouldn't want to eat with your left hand. So you would lean your shoulder, lean on your arm, your shoulder here, okay, and recline, stretch out, and then you would eat with your right hand, okay? So, so she finds Jesus reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house. And so this is all just, just pregnant with me. So what's our teaching point? Our teaching point is this. Jesus was with two professionals, okay? One is and one was. Now, I'm going to explain that in just a moment. The Pharisee, and let me say it this way, in his own eyes. The Pharisee, in his own eyes, is a professional saint. I mean, this guy's job was to be good. This guy's job was to walk around town, go to the temple, and for people to point and go, oh, look at him. You know, he wears a little Pharisee outfit, you know, and people go, oh, look at him. He is good. That's what he does. Hey, Dad, what do you do for a living? I'm good. What do you do for a living, Dad? I keep the rules. I'm good. I'm religious. That's what I am. And so in his own eyes, he sees himself as a professional saint. But then you've got the woman. And the woman was, was a professional sinner. Two professionals. One, in his own eyes, a professional saint. But the other, a professional sinner. Now notice the... I intentionally use the word was because I'm going to show you that what she is portrayed as by Simon, she ain't no more. She was a sinner. She was a prostitute, but she is not one now. And what happened was grace. You see, one needed grace. And isn't it amazing? It's the religious guy. One needs grace because he's saying, hey, Jesus, I don't need your grace. I got rules. 
Keep the rules. Keep the rules. Keep the rules. I don't need your grace. So one needed grace so badly, but one had already found it. And who found it? The professional sinner, who no longer is a professional sinner. So there's the setup. Simon, all his buds are around, people like him. There's Jesus, not the honored guest, not even a guest, there to be accused and made fun of later on. And this sinner comes into the scene. Well, the Bible says in verse 37, the second part, okay, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. Now, now this, she did not have an invitation, but she brought a gift. And the gift wasn't for Simon, it was for Jesus. The, the, the jar alone, the alabaster jar alone is expensive. It's very extravagant. And most theologians would, would agree, most Bible scholars would agree that, that it was a one-time deal. It was one and off. Okay, you would, you would take the vase, you get the vase, you put the stuff in it, and then to get the stuff out, the only way to get it out was to break the jar. So you break the jar. So she brings this alabaster jar, and it's full of perfume. It's full of nard. It's full of this hugely, extravagantly expensive perfume. Wonder where she got it. Well, honestly, it was her prophet's. She got it from her profession, her old profession. And she brings this extravagantly expensive gift to give to Jesus. It's her lifeline. It's her retirement. It's her safety net. Without this, she's a single woman with nothing but faith. And she brings it to Jesus. She brings it. She's willing to lay it all down. You know, A.W. Tozer said this. He said, Gratitude is an offering precious in the sight of God. Isn't that good? Now, you're going to see why this is so important. You're going to go, Dwayne, I hope you're going somewhere because, you know, it's not, so far, you're doing okay. You're staying on track, but I'm not sure. Hang on. Hang on. Gratitude is an offering precious in the sight of God. God loves it when his kids are grateful. God loves it when his kids are grateful. God loves it when his people gather to say thank you to him. Gratitude is an offering precious in the sight of God, and it is one that the poorest of us can make. I love, you remember when we go back, we're talking about generosity? That generosity was, a, remember, an attitude and not an amount? That you could be the most, you could be the poorest person in town and still be generous, or you could be the richest person in, and, and, and be, be generous, and you could be anywhere in between and be generous. Well, so it is with gratitude. Gratitude is this wonderful gift that we can give back to God. And it does not depend. We can be the poorest or the richest person in town. We could drive the right car or the wrong car, wear the right labels or the wrong labels. It just doesn't matter. All of us can be grateful. And I love this. Watch this. That, that we can be not poor when we give it, but richer. In other words, gratitude, when we express it to God, makes us richer and not poor. So we got... We got this table, here's Simon the Pharisee, his house, I make the rules, okay? His kind of people, okay? Jesus, okay? A sinner, okay? Wait a minute. His house. Whose house is this? Have you ever thought about that? Whose house is this? Because that's a huge question. Sitting about, right over there about four blocks is another house of worship. Whose house is that? Up on the square sits First Baptist Church. Whose house is that? Sitting outside of town about two miles is a really big house. But we got to ask the question, whose house is it? Because you remember, whose ever house it is set the rules. 
And if we think it's our house, guess what? We'll make it. i tell you what we're going to make it. We'll make it a house of religion. And guess who we're going to invite to our house? People like us. We like worshiping with people like us. And what are we going to do when somebody comes in who's not like us? Treat them like they're not like us. See, what we got to make sure we understand is this is not our house. It's his house. And because it's his house, who sets the rules? He does. He does. Oh, in case you're wondering if you need a copy of the rules. Love God, love people. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength. And then your, your neighbor as yourself. That, those rules? Yeah. And you know, we want to worship with us. We, we don't have to run out everybody to make room just for sinners. No, we don't do that. But boy, when a sinner walks through the door, what are we going to do? Gosh, we got to love them. We got to love them. Do you understand? Most of y'all don't remember that. Some of you, it happened about three weeks ago. How hard it is sometimes to walk into a church. Especially if you're out there. I, oh, 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 wow, 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 wow. This just happened. I'm going to give you something to clap about. Remember, I, we had, I said we had a family come visit us about a month ago, five weeks ago. And that they um, came to our back-to-school event, and they were looking for a church, and they decided to start here. You remember that story? It, it's a mom and a dad and two kids. Remember that? You realize how hard it was for them to walk in this building? Remember how hard? It's risky. It's risky. Okay. You want to clap? Yeah, Daddy came to me after church and said, Hey, I was raised in a church. I'm sorry. Scratch that. I was raised in a world where there was no religion, there was no God, there was no nothing. And I recently put my faith and trust in Jesus. And I'd like to be that guy. Yeah, you got it, baby. You got it. You got it. Do you think it could get better than that? And he says, I'd like for you to share with my two children how they can know Jesus as Savior. And I did, and they did. Yeah, come on. Shoot that thing. Now listen, they, they were willing to take... Here's a guy who said, I wasn't raised in church. But he was willing to take the risk and come through the door. So if it's God's house, it's not a house of religion. It's a house of redemption. And yes, we want people who are like us, but we welcome those who may not be like us to come in, to come to the table and hear a message of redemption about a God who loves them so much that he'll forgive them. How about that? It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. So, gratitude is an offering precious inside of God. And it's one that the poorest of us can make and be not poor but richer for it. We can give ourselves away. We can say, hey, God, this is your house. And we won't be poor. We'll be richer. Okay, well, this woman who's kind of, I am certain, she's in the shadow over here against this wall, guys. She's over against this wall, and she is being still because it's risky. Simon, the, the, you know, Amber, the lady I talked to uh, earlier in church, you know, she said, you know, I said, Simon could have had her arrested. And you know what she said? Or killed. Well, yeah. Yeah. So this woman leaves the wall. And here's Jesus leaning on his left shoulder. His feet are away from the table, at an angle. And look what it says. When I was studying the final touches this morning, I said, God, help me to pick up the brush of words and paint this picture. This is where I don't want you to listen with your ears. I want you to listen with your heart. Here's a woman, former prostitute, She's disdained by the community. She's that woman. Stay away from that woman. She was her. And the Bible says in verse number 38, she comes and she stands behind him at his feet. So she's standing there. 
You, have you heard the phrase, the elephant in the room? Well, she's the elephant in the room. She's standing there, and you can hear a pin drop. Simon is aghast. His 12 or 13 buddies around the table are, and she stands there. And then the Bible says that she, she stands at his feet, and all of a sudden, she starts weeping. And apparently in the process of the weeping, she falls to her knees. Now, this is not the, this is that gut-wrenching sobs. This, this is the kind of crying that produces alligator tears. And it's not tears of remorse. It's not tears of regret. It is tears of joy. It is tears of gratitude. So as she now kneels at the feet of Jesus, and remember, all these Pharisees are looking at her. Told you it was risky. I told you it was risky. All these Pharisees are looking at her. All the people around the walls are like, oh, it's that woman. And she begins to wash his feet with her tears. The tears are not streaming down cheeks. As she looks down, the tears are just falling from her eyes. And she begins to wash his feet. Then she wiped his feet with her hair. Her, almost certainly was long hair. And she took this hair and began wiping his feet. Then she kissed his feet. She kissed his feet. Sobbing, wiping, and she kisses his feet. And by the way, this is not a parable. Parable comes later. This is fact. And then she anoints them with a perfume. Can you even fathom this? Am I way over our heads? Can you paint? This is so extravagant. This is so huge. You know, it's hard to fathom. Sobbing, washing his feet with her tears, wiping them with her hair, kissing them, and anointing them. What in the world would spark such worship? What motivated her to this so unusual Behavior. Well, our teaching point says this. We were all impressed, at least I was, when we talked about the jar being expensive and the perfume. Probably at least a year's wage, maybe several years' wage. That was all very impressive. But the value of the jar was overshadowed by the value of her worship. Greater than the jar... Greater than the perfume was the value of her worship. What would motivate that kind of worship? The answer, it was in the songs we sang. But the answer is also in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 3b and 4. Can I read it to you? I don't have a slide for it. Let me read it to you. Here's what Paul wrote. We were by nature. Somebody say nature. nature. Okay. In other words, we didn't have to do anything to mess this up. We were born this way. We were by nature children under wrath. In other words, by nature, the way we were born, we were objects of God's wrath. Okay? He goes on. As the others were also. We were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. But God. Somebody say, but God. If you want want to be blessed, just go through Google. Google the words, but God, in relation to Scripture. And so many times, this was going to be the consequence, but God. God stepped in. Aren't you glad God stepped in? Can I just pause a minute? Aren't you glad God stepped in with this? Amen? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad God stepped in with an empty tomb? So when you said goodbye to your loved one, it wasn't the end. Aren't you glad? But God, he stepped in. Mm, Yeah. 
But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love that he had for us, he made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. Let me, let me just tweak that a little bit to help you understand. Dwayne, what caused this extravagant worship? You know, what, what caused her to do all that? Here's what she would say. I, speaking of her, I by nature was a child under wrath. As you are too. But God, who was rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for me, she would say, made me alive with Christ, even though I was dead in trespasses and sins. If you were to ask her, ma'am, what exactly caused you to worship that way? Ma'am, what caused you to have great risk in coming into this environment where you obviously were not welcomed, whereas you were held in high disdain? Excuse me, ma'am, what caused that? And she would tell you, I was a child by nature, subject to the wrath of God. But God, who is rich in mercy and love, made me alive in Christ, even though I was dead in trespasses and sins. Isn't that powerful? Do you understand how wonderful that is? And listen, that's something that each one of us can know and we can understand how wonderful it is. Listen, I don't know what worship means to you. I know this. It doesn't matter if you raise your hands or don't raise your hands. It does not depend... It does not depend on the music or how loud or how soft you prefer it or whether it's old or it's new. It just doesn't matter. When we come to the house of God, we worship the God worthy of our worship regardless of what, because of what he's done for us. This woman, listen, this woman could not help but worship because she was a prostitute and he forgave her. She was disdained and he forgave her. She was that woman, and he made her a child of God. So, so every tear and every wipe of her hair, every kiss spoke of the intense love and gratitude. And then comes the spoiler. Not the spoiler as in, I'm going to tell you in the story and spoil it, but the spoiler, the Pharisee. Here's what it says. Verse number 39. So when the Pharisee... Remember, he's a professional good guy. He's a professional keep the rules. Oh, and by the way, you need to know this. The more religious you are, the more legalistic you will be. And the more legalistic you are, the more you will judge people. You like to say that again in case you can write it down that fast? Sure, no problem. The more religious you are, the more legalistic you will be. And the more legalistic you are, the more you will judge people. Okay, so when the Pharisee who had invited him... Saw this, he said to himself. That's really important. Circle that in your Bible. He said to him, he's having this little conversation with himself. We were riding in the car yesterday, and um, I said, so, I was thinking about next week's message, and I, I said, real soft, I said, I think it's Zacchaeus. And she was sitting over there reading a book, okay, and looked at him and goes, What'd you say? I was having, a, she wasn't even supposed to hear that. It was just me, but she was listening. Well, someone's listening here too. He said to himself, this man, if he were a prophet, this man, if he was as good as me, this man, if he was a rule keeper like me, this man, if he was a religious person like me, this man would know who and what kind of woman that it is who is touching him. So the first thing he does, because He's a Pharisee, so the more religious you are, the more legalistic you are, and the more you'll judge people, the first thing he does is judge Jesus. And he judged him as coming up short. He said, if, if he was like me, he'd be as smart as me. He would know who it is touching him. 
He would have read the paper this morning and saw the police blog three weeks ago that this woman was arrested for prostitution. You know, he's not as smart as me. He's not as good as me. This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what kind of man, a woman this is, who is touching him. Oh, by the way, he knew. He knew. See, Jesus wasn't having... Are you fixing? Are you listening? Jesus wasn't having a lapse of knowledge. He was having a moment of grace. It wasn't that he didn't know. It's that he chose to respond in grace and not judgment. He knew. He knew. And then the Pharisee said, he judged Jesus. Then he judged the woman. She is a sinner. She was... But see, that's the old lady, not the new lady. So let's move on to verse number 40, Eli. So here, do you see this? Jesus replied to him. You know, Simon's over having this little private conversation. Well, if this man was as good as me, then if he was a prophet, then he would have known that, that this woman's, a, you know, who she is and what kind of person she is and, and wouldn't let her touch. So Jesus, <laughs> Jesus replied to him. What's to learn here? Be careful. God might be listening. Jesus replied to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Simon said, okay, say it. Write this down. God's got something to say to us too. But we can't listen with this. We got to listen with this. So Jesus says in verse 41 and 42, he says, A creditor, read God, a creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denai, denai and that's about 500 days, and, and the other 50 days. So, so here we have this creditor. Again, this, is, this represents God in the story, okay? And, and we have a sinner here with a long sin list, okay? 500 days labor, big sin. Then we've got this other one who only has a smaller sin list, only 50. Okay? And so the Bible says in verse 42, so since they could not pay it back, don't forget you can't pay it back. You had a debt toward God that you could not pay, and yet Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. So he could not pay back. He chose to graciously Forgive them both. And then Jesus asks a question that I believe is there just for Simon's edification. So which of them will love him more? Which one will love him more? The word more there, the more is a, it's a us word. Because see, we, we look at it this way. We think big sins require big grace. Little sins require little grace. There's a word for that. It's called wrong. It's called wrong. It takes as much grace to forgive an adulterer as it does a six-year-old liar. Grace is grace and sin is sin. Consequences are different with sin. I understand that. But it's not about more. But to, to help Simon understand Jesus introduces this idea. Which of them will love him more? Well, Simon says in verse number uh, 43, well, I suppose the one who forgave more. He forgave more. And Jesus said, that's right. You're right. Because we're human. We judge, you know, grace and sin. Big grace, big sin. You know, little sin, little grace. That's why we judge it. And then we didn't have time to put it in the notes. And so... So he starts talking to Simon. He says, Simon, you know the rules. You're a rule keeper. (laughs) How about that? You're a rule keeper. So you know the rules. When you invite somebody to your house, you always provide a servant to wash their feet. Hey, Simon, this is why I know he wasn't a guest. Hey, Simon, you didn't do that. But this lady comes in, and she begins to wash my feet. With her tears. Hmm. How about that? Hey, hey, Simon, you know the rules. 
You know, you're supposed to give me that kiss thing. Aren't you guys glad we dropped the kiss thing? You know, I can imagine a bunch of guys walking, hey, man, you're a dude, you know. But they did it back then. It's part of the culture. person came to your house, you gave them a kiss on each cheek. The guys did. That's what you did. And he said, you didn't do that either. When I walked into your house, you gave me no kiss, and yet she comes into your house, and she kisses my feet. And, and you know the rules, Simon. You know, if you, you know, to honor someone, you give them an anointing of oil on their head. And Simon, you didn't do that either. And yet she comes in and anoints my feet with perfume. Simon, for a rule keeper, you didn't do too good. And then he jumps in with verse number 47. Therefore, I tell you her many sins. She had a lot of sins. Her many sins, notice the tense, have been forgiven. What Jesus is saying didn't happen then, it happened before. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But her many sins have been forgiven. And that's why she loves much. Here it is. Are you ready? You ready to write down? She realized the gravity of her sin and the greatness of his forgiveness. It was apparent to her that her sins were very grievous and a lot. And then she looked and compared that to God's forgiveness. That's huge. That's huge. I'm afraid we forget sometimes just how big our sin was. What we were, what we were before we were saved. In fact, Jesus says that. He says, but the one who is forgiven little loves little. And I think, whoa, whoa, this is, this is time out, Paul's. So let's stop for a minute. Why is the modern day church so, find it so difficult to love and worship? Why is worship optional? Why is Jesus optional? Why is God optional? Why can we do our thing on Sunday morning and not think about him again till next Sunday? We forgot what he did. We forgot the gravity of our sin. And therefore, we have forgotten the greatness of his forgiveness. I'm telling you guys, as I was studying for this, God smacked me in the face with it. Dwayne, do you understand what I saved you from? Dwayne, do you understand? It doesn't matter. You know, some of our guys got, you know, I think about Jamal and Jamal. I didn't ask permission to share this, but we already did. You know, here's an addictive lifestyle. Stole, forged, lost a marriage, lost a daughter. Seven years in prison. Jamal, do you have any problem remembering God's grace? No, you don't, do you? When he looks back at seven years in lockup, it reminds him of the greatness of God's grace. Why don't we? Do you have to have a seven-year term? Do you have to have that to remember God's greatness? No, you're right, buddy. We don't. The best of us on our best day was as lost as anybody until we met Jesus. This is why we got to celebrate. Her sins, which were many, were forgiven. Let's not be guilty of the one who is forgiven. Little loves little. So let's hit 48, 49 so we can get her and go to lunch. 48 and 49. So he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Now, wait, 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 Dwayne, time out. You said, okay, you said that her sins were already forgiven, and they, and they were, okay? This is a personal affirmation of what had already happened. This is now, she somehow saw Jesus from a distance. She heard stories, but she put her faith in Jesus. Now she's looking Jesus eyeball to eyeball, and he says, your sins are forgiven. Judy has an American Express card. Don't leave home without it. 
And sometimes we make a purchase online. And she'll get an email, almost immediately, a text message, almost immediately. Purchase made without card present. Just letting us know. There's some, there was a purchase, a charge made, but the card wasn't present. This is what happened to her. She had a purchase. She received grace. She received forgiveness. She received Jesus, even though he wasn't present. And now, eyeball to eyeball, she hears the good news from his lips. Your sins are forgiven. And you remember the other Pharisees at the table? Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. Oh, no. Only, only, only God can forgive sins. That's what you find in churches all the time. They said, who is this man who even forgives sin? Well, let me tell you who this man is. He is the Savior of the world. He is the only begotten Son of God. He is the man who went to a Roman cross and shed his blood that people like me and you could have forgiveness of sin. He's the man that kicked open the door three days later and came back to the life. He's the man who told us to go and tell of a God who welcomes everybody through the door, invites them to the table because of his amazing grace. He is the man who one day is coming back to take us out of here. That's who that man is. That's who that man is. Who is this man? That forgives. And you know what Jesus does? He ignores them. I love that. Sometimes he does that. You know, look at verse number 50, the last verse. They're over here having their hissy fit. And, and he says to the woman, your faith has saved you. She, he wanted to make sure she, he, she understood, okay, what saved her. Her faith and faith in what? Faith in Jesus. Yeah, faith in Jesus. Okay. Your faith in me has saved you. Now go in peace. All that scorn that you feel in the neighborhood, gone. Go in peace. All the guilt of of your past, it's gone. Go in peace. All the shame of being that woman and that woman, it's gone. Go in peace. She had peace now with God. And she had peace of God. I want to tell you something, and then we're done. I want to tell you something, and we're done. If you're here today, and by chance, you've never received this gift, this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes him should not perish, but can have eternal life. If you've never heard Romans 5, 8, But God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If you're here today and you're like my friend earlier in first service who said, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. We didn't do religion. In case you're here today and that's you or maybe you're on Facebook right now, I want you to know something very clearly. That no matter what you've done, God can and will forgive you. I don't care what it is. God can and will forgive you. God can and will do what religion can't do. What good works can't do. And he wants to. Now, a chunk of y'all, a chunk of us today, um, we've trusted Jesus. But am I the only one in the room that worries with uh, guilt, remorse over the past? Do you worry about what if you mess up tomorrow? Because you've got a pastor who messes up. i got news for you. His grace is sufficient. He is not going to kick you beside beside the curb. He's not going to say, oops, you exceeded the grace limit. Not going to do it. And that was worth the price of admission today. To know that whether you're like the woman, that woman, the woman... Or whether you're really pretty good, you just mess up occasionally. You need to know His grace is sufficient for you. So we come down to our time of decision. As always, the altar is, always the altar is open. Do you come pray about something?
Got something going in your life? Is your heart breaking over something today? The altar's open. Maybe you want somebody to pray with you, and we can do that too. But if you're here today and you've never done the Jesus thing, if you've never trusted Jesus, you've got enough information today to know that God loves you and that Jesus will forgive you. He'll do what religion can't do. Why don't you come? If you're here today and and your guilty conscience is messing with you, you know, remember, His grace is sufficient. But for us homebodies that call Dorsville home, can we remember that this is His house? Can we remember that? Because I'm going to tell you, can I tell you the truth? If you wrestle with sinners, if you say, Dwayne, what if they, what if that woman, what if that man, what if that party walks through those doors? Get ready, it's going to get challenging. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're not going to win them by ignoring them. That was pretty good. You're not going to win them by ignoring them. You're not going to win them by locking the doors. You're going to win them by loving them in Jesus' name. And keep in mind, Judy would say I'm chasing a rabbit right now. And you're ready to go to Kentucky Fried Chicken. But just keep in mind, when Jesus saw the woman at the well, he loved her. When Jesus saw the woman taken in adultery, he loved her. When Jesus saw this woman who was a prostitute, who had been redeemed, he loved her. Oh, oh. And when they nailed him to the cross with railroad spikes through his hands and feet and slid his side open and scourged his back and put a kind of thorns on his head, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. He loved them. Let's do the same. Would you bow your heads, please? Boy, thank you all for listening. I really mean that, too. Thank you so much. I hope you'll leave today with the knowledge that no matter what, God loves you. If you need need grace, it's there. If you've experienced grace, worship and celebrate that, that truth. And again, if there's something we can pray with you about or a decision to make um, this morning, that's what this time is all about. So God, we love you. I really do. We may be that man or that woman, and yet you forgive us. It's amazing. It's amazing. Father, I pray for my friend who might be here on Facebook this morning and has never experienced this forgiveness. I pray today would be that day. Father, for us who struggle with guilt and shame, Father, help us understand that your grace is sufficient for us. And Father, if we somehow decide this is our house and not yours, help us repent of that today. Help us to understand it's your house. It's your rules. Help us to be ready to receive the ones who walk through the door that need to experience the same grace that we already have. Help us be grace givers. Grace givers. Now this time is yours. And Jesus, we pray in your precious name. Amen.